This is Don't Panic, episode number six, recorded July 23rd, 2013, on smart boards, PB&J sandwiches, and Khan Academy. And we are live, that's right. Take a deep breath, relax, don't panic, because we're here to talk all about the internets, the gadgets, and you. I'm Sean Jennings, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Dan Miller. I'm looking at the wrong camera. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing great, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here, and I'm especially excited because we have a wonderful guest with us today. I'm so glad we could have her on, uh, and when better, uh, an education expert herself and a recent graduate of Marist College. I've never heard of it, but I hear it's a nice place. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Kaylee McAvoy. Kaylee, how you doing? I'm great, Sean. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm glad we could have you on the show. Oh, switching, switching videos there. I like yeah, it. we got to do the Skycam. Uh, so necessary. It's well, you know me. I'm Mr. Unnecessary, so <laughs> it's the least I could do. Um, so this week's big. Each week we kind of try to do a little bit of a big topic. Um, and this week we we're having Kayliana. We thought, what is she better trained in than education, and how that merges with uh, technology? Kaylee, what are your education credentials for our listeners to prove that you're an authority on the subject? My credentials. Um, I'm now certified to teach elementary ed and special ed in New York State. Nice. So, yeah. So, um, so you are a legitimate teacher. I could be, yes. We, oh. <laughs> I'm certified. Okay. <laughs> well, with those introductions out of the way, why don't we jump into our very first story. Kaylee, what do you want to hit on the document first? Oh, let's, let's open it up. Because <laughs> you're going to run Last week we joked that I ran the show Because it was my topic This week you're running the show Oh jeez Because it's your topic So you you pick the direction we go And, and I'll just steer a little bit So uh, where do you want to begin? Alright um, hmm. Do you want to start with your story The technology in colleges? Sure Maybe we can both touch a little bit On special services Since we both work there Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's a great for because we have a lot of college folks in our uh, audience, our very tiny audience, but our audience nonetheless. Um, and all three of us are in college or recent college graduates, and so all three better... of our listeners as well. Exactly. So <laughs> who better to talk about technology in colleges? We don't have a specific news story, but I thought it was interesting. I actually found out um, that Marist College actually purchased a 3D printer. Um, that's going to be installed and used on campus. But here's the interesting thing. Can you guess which department bought it? Fashion. Whoa, you got it. First shot. They always get all the cool things that no one else gets to use. Fashion's <laughs> going fashion's gonna to use it to print shoes, I've been told. True story. They also okay. have the colored printers, so of course they would get the 3D printer. <laughs> they get the nice stuff. But I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, what, what technologies... I guess I'll start with you, Dan. I mean in your years of being a college student, what technologies did you kind of use the most or, or find the most relevant to you? Oh, man. I mean, I used all the technologies. Being, all right, well, that's Being the a student was... of technology, but I think the thing that I used that uh, other people would also use, I was, I was a big fan of the tablet in the classroom, like keeping your totally legal copy of your textbook that you didn't pirate for zero dollars on it and like having the nice pens and like being able to write math equations in an infinitely sized notebook that was the big killer thing for me is I didn't have to worry about turning the page or although I did have to turn the page that was one of my gripes but I didn't have to worry about running out of pages but I did have to turn the page, which always fundamentally surprises me, because why the hell do we have pages? It's, like, digital. I don't want to have to turn my pages in my notebook, or in my Kindle books, for that matter, Amazon, if you're listening. I just want to scroll infinitely. So, I thought tablets were cool. I thought they were underutilized. I don't think that uh, the Dawn... The light from Steve Jobs hit all of the uh, education administrators yet. I'm not sure it will. Uh, what do you guys think? Are tablets the uh, great innovation in education that they were supposed to be? 
I am slowly warming up to them. At first, I thought they were just giant phones, and I was not a fan of them. <laughs> but the more exposure I get to them, the more I think that they're pretty cool, and I see the benefits now. And I'm actually in the market to buy an iPad nice. in the next couple weeks once cool. I start making some money. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I, I don't, like, I was the same way. Like, it's just a giant phone, or why would I use this if I can type things faster on my uh, my laptop? Yeah. But it's a different experience. It's very it's very hands-on and close-up. Yeah, I think for, and for the portable aspect, it seems like it's a lot easier to take on the go and use wherever you are. Yeah. So, Sean, I know you've had a lot of experience with various iPads. I have. I've, I've used almost every tablet under the sun, and, uh, you know, the, the only real issue, uh, and I don't want to jump the gun because you picked out an excellent story on this subject, was uh, I just don't like when people grab iPads, throw them in the classroom, and say, here you go. You know, you, there has to be a plan. There has to be some implementation. Um, just putting technology in classrooms isn't good enough. I don't want to jump the gun on our next story, but uh, that. other than that, I think uh, tablets are great in the classroom. The other big thing I found uh, to be helpful as far as technology in college goes is collaboration, um, which has completely changed my life. Uh, I remember back, you know, freshman year, uh, you know, doing group projects and, and things of that. And of course, as you get farther on in college, they become bigger projects with more people and things like Google Docs and Facebook and, uh, you know, all these services have just made it so easy to do PowerPoints and Word documents um, all, you know, on the go when it's convenient for you. I mean, there were, I did an entire presentation without seeing the people in the presentation once, you know, other than in the class when it was assigned, and uh, it worked out well. So, you know, as long as you're with the right people who understand it, I think collaboration was really the killer app for me uh, in college. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. That was so fundamental that I didn't even think it was technology. <laughs> and I hesitated at first. I really did. I mean, I when I came in to college, I didn't use Google Docs. I didn't use any of those things. And over time, I slowly started to learn the tips and tricks. And then by the end, I don't know how I could have lived without it. Yeah. Um, I, I remember we were doing uh, a history something, some history project. And two of the group members introduced everyone else to Dropbox. And they were they just like, they were just floored by how cool it was. <laughs> I don't know why we didn't use Google Docs, though. That probably would have been smarter. Well, you know, hey, hey anything is better than nothing, right? Yeah. Julie, were there any uh, killer apps for you? Anything that really made a big difference? Um, to be completely honest, in my major, we didn't use technology as much as most majors probably did. A lot of it was getting together and making posters or doing some kind of activity, hands-on activity. So a lot of it wasn't technology, but for like my core classes, I did use Google Docs a lot. I still don't know how to use it, but I think it's really cool. <laughs> I think it's a great idea, but every time I open it, I'm like, what the heck is this? <laughs> um, I also, a lot of my group projects were done through like Facebook threads, which seems really mundane and not exciting, but it's really useful to be able to just have a constant communication with everyone, and everyone has it on their phones now, so it's just, you don't even have to text, you could just Facebook everyone all the time. It's a good way to collaborate, sending links and stuff. So, that's what I found. Yeah. Uh, I think Google Docs is the future. Yes. Uh, <laughs> despite our Microsoft episode, I don't know, Microsoft could still come back and uh, win in the collaborative online space, I think. I wouldn't count them out, but I, can we talk about uh, the digital textbooks thing? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. What, so, what you... I mean, I don't know anything about them because I've never had one that wasn't a pirated PDF, which is a pretty, it's, you know, a pirated PDF is at most just as good as, like, the physical copy, but usually inferior because, like, you don't get that, like, serendipitous, like, leafing through the sections you're not even supposed to read sort of thing. Uh, but you see all these mock-ups from, like, the iBook textbooks, and they've got, like, these interactive, like, features on the page, so you can, like, instead of just, like, seeing the picture of a cell, 
Like, you can zoom in to it and, like, watch as the magnification levels increase and, like, move the picture around and see the stuff around it. And, like, if you're doing anatomy, I imagine it could be really cool because you're studying a certain part and you can just, like, like, zoom it out and then see the broader context right from that picture. Like, all that stuff sounds really awesome, especially for the younger folk we can segue into that maybe, unless we don't want to segue, but I'll leave that to you guys. But I, you know, I've never heard of anyone using it. Have any of you guys ever used them? I think the the issue, the issue that I have is that um, <laughs> seamless. Uh, the issue I have is a couple things. One is just being locked into a certain platform, and that's why pirated PDFs work because they always work. Um, but I think, you know, and I sort of split textbooks into two categories. There's your uh, war and peace text only, and then there's your math or science with a lot of images and a lot of text. Um, I've purchased the text only versions on my Kindle, and I have an old e-ink Kindle, and that's fine. It's like reading a regular book. But when you start getting with the images and the pictures, not once have I found a digital textbook that is noticeably cheaper than the print version. And to me... The technology isn't there where I see an advantage in getting the digital version. All those, like you talked about, and they always have the demo where it's the you know the flashy and you can spin the skeleton around. And but I feel like those are, are gimmicks, and I feel like very few textbooks actually use those. So you know, right. one day maybe, but today it's like you, you got to buy an, a, a color tablet. Ink's <laughs> not going to work. So you have to buy a nice tablet. You have to buy into an ecosystem. You have to spend as much as you're spending on a print version for the digital version. Um, I, I don't. I'm. I'm not ready to take the leap. Put it that way. But Kaylee works in this field, so we should probably refer to her judgment. I've never actually seen that in person. I've just heard of it. I think it's really cool. I think it could be something, but I think it hasn't really come full, like come all the way yet. Yeah, why don't we, like, why don't we see, why can't I buy one? <laughs> maybe, I, I, maybe I can, and I'm just not looking in the right spots. I've never actually seen one. Like, I don't know, but I think that would be really cool, especially with, like, the pictures and everything, but... Yeah. Most of the digital textbooks I've seen are just really ghetto versions with a lot of text and an image just kind of placed in there. I mean, right. there's so few where they've really gone all out and done the digital, and and then those most of them are iPad-specific, so if you have an Android tablet or you want to use it on your desktop, they finally launched iBooks for desktop, so at least Mac users have something, but, you know, Windows users, I mean, it's just it's so fractured, and once you start getting this interactive stuff with formatting and... It's just, it's so tough to do in this market that, you know, unless some kind of standard is reached, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But with that, as Dan attempted to do, why don't we segue into our first actual story here. Uh, technology integration for elementary schools. I thought this was a really great article because it sort of plays back into uh, what I had mentioned earlier where it's important not just to take and put technology in classrooms, but to actually have a plan while you're doing it. Because if you just throw it in, what's the point? Mm -hmm. So uh, in this article, there's a, there's a big list. Uh, Kaylee, I don't know if there's anything here specifically you want to mention. Um, let's see. I, mean, I think a... like what, what you said, that you can't just put the technology in the classroom. I've seen it both ways. I've seen classrooms that just have technology, but they don't use it, or they don't use it in the best way possible, and then there's the classrooms that have nothing and could use any sort of technology, even a computer. Um, I have a friend who was student teaching in a classroom that was called the Classroom of the Future, and they had an iPod, I think they had an iPod Touch for every student, they had netbooks for every student, and they had a smart board. I think that might have been it. But she said that they didn't use it properly. They would just, like, during recess, they would give the kids the iPod like the iPods to play with. They weren't using it for educational purposes. And there's so many cool apps out now for education that they could have been using. But I think the teacher was just kind of thrown into it and didn't know what she was doing. So So you think the problems in you think the problem is in training the teachers? 
I think, for the most part, a lot of the technology could be used in a better way than I've seen it. And, I mean, if the teacher is older and doesn't know the technology, they might just avoid it because they know what's comfortable and what's easier for them. So there's, I think there's a lot of obstacles to overcome. And I think budgets are a really big problem. I, in my hometown, there was a magnet school, and the big draw was that everyone got a laptop. But I don't think they ever used it besides, like, oh, now everyone can write their papers, and now you can, everyone can look at their grades online, which you can do if you have your own laptop, you know? Uh, so that, that that's a... I agree that oftentimes thrown in without any real thought to how is this actually useful. But then on the other hand, we always complain when it's not there, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, so I've seen both sides. Like, I I um, observed in, like, Poughkeepsie City School District, there's maybe two computers for the whole high school. They never work. Wow. They don't have printers. And then you go into, like, Arlington District, and every kid has a netbook. So it's like where, like, there should be some kind of balance there where they have the netbooks, but they're not using them for anything practical. And Poughkeepsie doesn't even have computers to share. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, you know, I'll give, uh, you know, a little bit of positivity boost in here and say that, you know, a lot of this, this is new technology, and with any new technology, it takes time for you to figure out how to use it. I think it's important that when teachers are being trained, especially in college, uh, that they be exposed to these technologies, and, you know, curriculums are slow to change, so I don't think we'll see that overnight, but with this technology changing so quickly, uh, such as e-textbooks, as we were talking about, um, I think it's just uh, a matter of time before they figure it out. You know, they, they want to be first, they want to be new, and you got to give them credit for that. At least, uh, you know, if they have the money, they don't shy away from it, but um, it's just a matter of figuring out and training, you know? Yeah, I think it's a lot of trial and error, too. We'll put something in one classroom in a school and see how it works out, and then if it if it benefits the students, we'll try it in other classrooms. Like my first student teaching placement in Arlington, there was one classroom in the school that had a smart board, and the teacher didn't know how to use it, so she never did. So no other teachers got smart boards <laughs> because she was the the tester and she didn't use it to the full ability. Have you, have you ever seen technology used well in the classroom, Kaylee? Yes, I have. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not all negative. <laughs> um, in special education especially, I think is where it really is important. Um, my second student teaching placement was in Anderson, which is a school for autism, and that's where I saw the most technology. It's a private school. Um, every classroom had a smart board, and they used it for everything, and it was really well done. They would use it. They would have the kids use it, the students. Um, oh, I did not know what you were zooming in on. I was like, <laughs> no, I'm opening up our next story in the rundown. I see that. that. I saw, all I saw was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I was per very <laughs> A perfect segue into talking about this other article, which is smart boards and special education. I want to remind all of our listeners as well that all these links should hypothetically be posted on our website uh, when the show goes live. Um, and that... Uh, uh, special needs is definitely where uh, technology is very cutting edge, um, mainly because they're the ones who need it the most. Uh, but it's also, I think, where people are more willing to experiment. I mean, I uh, I spent a year working in the special services office at Marist College, and anytime I wanted to try any new technology, I was never told uh, no. You know, I mean, they were willing to try anything, um, and I think that's really really important. That sort of adventurous spirit of getting excited about technology and what it can really mean and uh, that's you know we start things in in uh, special education and it's amazing how they end up rolling out to sort of the general education populace uh, you know we did that at Marist College with some of the software we ended up buying enough for the whole campus to use um, so I think it's important and we see that with smart boards so What's a smart yeah, I've board? definitely seen more technology in special education than in general ed um, because they're more willing to try anything to get the students to understand the material and to be on the level that they need to be. Um, Dan, yeah. what, what was that? 
my question is, what is a smart board? Because I've actually never seen one used. Really? No. <laughs> that is an excellent question, Dan, and I'm glad you asked it. Kaylee, what is a smart board? <laughs> it's an interactive whiteboard. Um, they have it's like up where your whiteboard would be in your classroom, uh-huh. and it's connected to the internet, so you can type on your computer, and it'll show up on. It's like a projector, but then they have like pens you can write on it. It's touch screen. It has all kinds of different apps that you can use. Okay. Like board makers, my favorite, because you just get to make like fun PowerPoint type slides for your projector. Interesting. Did that answer your question? I guess so. Yeah, I've had a, these in a couple of classrooms that I've been students in, and mm-hmm. it had never been used, or actually even turned on. <laughs> yeah, most of them at Marist are either not used or only used as projectors. Right. Yeah. But there's so much more. There's so much you could do on it because it's touch screen. Mm-hmm. And you can write on it instead of writing on the whiteboard. And then you can do fun stuff and play games. I like I really playing like games. It. Yes. So do I. <laughs> Sean, what is this? Oh, that was a picture of people used a smart board, Dan. Oh. Did you miss it? Not peanut butter and jelly again. And now we're back to peanut butter and jelly. All right, that's now, fine, that's fine. Now you're back to my face. <laughs> Uh, in high school, we didn't have projectors in any of the classrooms except one. Really? And Yeah, so there were no PowerPoint presentations for me in high school, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Or, no, if you wanted to do a PowerPoint, you had to, like, rent out the, like, projector cart and, like, um, wheel it in. Yes. And that didn't look like fun. That's what amazed me about my high school was we we had, like you, I think we had two projectors on two different cards and none permanently in the classrooms, but we had a cart of, like, 30 iPads they bought, and no one ever used them. Mm-hmm. I swear, they sat there and collected dust, but, like, you couldn't get a projector. I mean, it, it's it's just so strange that I think... You know, and I'm the first to admit I do it. Where you know, you jump the gun on a technology. Ooh, iPad! Oh my God, I gotta get one of those. And uh, yeah, so when we were in high school, those were brand new, right? Oh yeah, and they right when they came out, they put in for a grant and got 30 of them in a big cart and this whole thing. And, and so I'm they, sure no one even knew how to use them or what they were for. Nope. What, Not at all. So I don't know. I guess you just have to be careful. Well, my high school was brand new the year I was a freshman, and they put smart boards in almost every classroom. It's ridiculous. How, like, less than half of my teachers would use them, but they were there, so I was exposed to them early, and I thought they were really cool. At least you had the option, right? Yes. And in one of my classrooms, one of the education classrooms at Marist had one of the portable smart boards. And for every class in there, it was always, like, our final project to come up with a smart board presentation and present it. So I got some exposure to it. They're pretty cool. Uh, now, Kaylee, I see you put a video in the rundown. What is uh, what is this about? Introduce oh. it before we play it. Yes, let's not watch it yet. Um, it's about Dynaboxes, which I'm sure, Sean, you've had some experience with. I have. Special services? No idea. We we don't. Uh, no, we don't use these. No, you've never seen them in special services. Uh, no. Oh, they're really cool. Um, they're like these devices that you can use. That there's all different kinds of the kinds. Um, there you go. There's all the different kinds, and they're for nonverbal people. People who either physically can't speak or emotionally won't speak or have a some kind of disability where they don't speak. And you can, they have different either symbols or letters, and you can, it's, it gives you a voice, basically. And so I saw those at Anderson at my student teaching placement. A lot of students had them. They would just have them around their neck, and it was just completely normal. You'd ask them a question, and they would just type in their answer, and it would speak for them if they were nonverbal. So that, I think, is the future. And That's the video awesome. that I found was very inspiring and sweet. All right, well, we're going to attempt to play the video using my shiny new technology. Technology. But I, make, I make no guarantees that works, so let me try something here. 
The headphones are coming off. Oh, it's about to get real. When Bethany was young, we had to develop a system. And it was raise my eyes for yes, raise my lower my eyes for no. So you were caught always asking her yes and no questions. Very frustrating for us, for her. When Beth Ann first got her device, it was unbelievable. Uh, finally, Beth Ann had a voice. She could talk for herself. She, we didn't have to ask her yes and no questions. I am a much deeper person than thinker than yes or no. Dynamics, lips, and express those thoughts and feelings. Now my daughter can tell me what she wants and how she's feeling. Poetry is now an important part of my life. Emotionally, Bethann now has the words love, hate, uh, dream, wish. You know, she can tell us all these things. She has her own set of emotions. She can tell us how much she loves her dog or how much she hates schoolwork or uh, this person, her brother's driving her crazy or things like this. So it's it's all there. It's all in the Dynavogs. It's all in her own words now. It's hard to imagine what it would be like to live without my AAC device. It's just absolutely unbelievable. It's definitely a godsend. Okay, there you go. Wow. This is an interesting uh, tactic there, Sean. Yeah, I, I figured out how to get uh, uh, YouTube videos to play and not look ridiculous, but I have not figured out how to make them uh, have audio. So okay. I'm going to work on that. But nonetheless, so, well, a, really cool, uh, a really cool video. Yeah, so is it just it's uh, you interact with it by, like, touchscreen tapping yep. it? Yep, there's buttons. So they'll have, like, mm -hmm. different common words or... Some of them have letters if, the, if they can spell and type out a whole phrase. But so, um, they'll just type in the sentence and hit send, and then it'll vocalize it. Oh, cool. So it's very cool. And they all have different voices, which is funny. Walking down the halls of Anderson, you'd hear different, like, Hi, hello, how are you? <laughs> all the different like, robot voices. And, and, like, I knew which one was which kids. Oh, wow. Well, I wonder yeah. how that works. Is everyone unique, or do you, like, pick your voice? It's probably like a GPS where you can pick which voice you want it to have, I assume, okay. but I'm not sure. That would be really cool. My GPS has a British accent. <laughs> As it should. Yes, most certainly. <laughs> All right. Um, Sean, what other cool technologies did you have in special services? Well, Kaylee, let me tell you. First of all... Did you work with those cool pens? I did. Well, first of all, I want to tell everybody listening that they should go to facebook.com slash services and like them uh, because I used to work there. So <laughs> you should you should also like Marist Archives because I work there now, but you should also like special services. Uh, I have to be equal. Uh, no, uh, you know, we, we actually worked with a lot of technology. I mean, the main things we worked on were um, Read and Write Gold, which is uh, software by TextHelp that, as I mentioned before, started in special services and we actually bought enough licenses to put it on every computer on campus and any Marist student can download it. And that includes tools like uh, reading speech aloud um, on websites and documents, tools, you know, dictionary tools, spelling tools, um, creating speeches from chunks. Of, I mean, it was like a huge toolbox of digital tools, which was great. We also used LiveScribe uh, smart pens a lot which sort of track as you write and not only digitize as you write, but also record audio. Uh, great for lectures and things like that. Um, and then, you know, we had... It was, it was really great because, you know, those sort of were the technologies that the majority of our students use. But we had, you know, one student who... Um, my mind just drew a blank, which isn't helpful, but we had students, you know, a few students, each of them had their own unique set of issues, and we had to come up with a custom technology solution to solve their problem really and I you know that was one of the joys I had uh, doing that job was it is sort of a creative uh, problem solving and I give teachers a lot of credit for having to 
come up with ways to solve problems that you can't anticipate and you would have never expected. Um, and what's even better is when those solutions can be used uh, outside of that one student. So uh, I was really happy when we were able to, you know, we had one student who had to do, uh, who wanted to do an interview, but had uh, a fear of, I don't know if it was planes or it was something like that. Anyway, they didn't want to fly out to the school just for the interview. It was on the West Coast. So we worked with them and we set them up on a Skype interview. You know, it's things like that um, that we did a lot of. So that's, you know, that's mostly what we did in special services. Um, and it was it was a lot of fun. Very cool. D did that answer your question? It did, yes. I'm glad. I knew you were like the technology liaison, so... That my self-made up title, yes. 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 No, and you know, it's... Technology is kind of an amazing thing in that it runs the spectrum from being helpful to being hurtful, and it's... Huh. Kaylee's job as an educator and my job working in special services and even Dan's job uh, to make technology more helpful than it is a nuisance or trouble. You know, just giving someone a laptop can actually cause more trouble than it helps. But if you work with them and create solutions for them, that's really where um, you get more on that helpful side. And ultimately, to get the most helpful um, is to work one-on-one -on -one with these students. So, you know, that's always why I've never been a fan of these schools that sort of mass implement something across, you know, what was it? Every so often there's, an, you know, the Atlanta School District bought 10,000 laptops. And I'm like... You know, is that really the the best? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think the city of LA just bought like twenty thousand iPads or something. And they were going to buy Chromebooks, so that was a huge controversy. Oh, I was going to well, bring that up: Chromebook versus iPad for the classroom. Well, we can talk about that. You know, uh, the the a lot of these businesses see getting into the schools as a way to get kids invested in their ecosystems early. Um, that's why Apple doesn't need to do iBooks, but by selling textbooks, you're getting kids on iPads, which means they're going to buy iPhones, which means they're going to buy Macs, and it creates sales. You know, same with Chromebook. It's going to get them using Google Apps. It's going to get them in Gmail. It's going to get them in Google Drive. Um, so I don't know, uh, Kaylee or Dan, what your thoughts are, but, um, you know, do you think that's that's an issue? Should we be embracing more open standards? Is it the right to these businesses to do that? And should school districts be concerned um, about the products they're buying in the long term, how it relates to their students? Yeah, so I, I am a programmer, and I like to tinker around with computers. But the thing that worries me, though, is like so much, so much of my knowledge was self-taught just because you can play around with computers, but you can't really play around with iPads in the same way. You can play around with Chromebooks, actually. So I was disappointed the Chromebook run out. But you can't, like, look at your iPad and be like, I'm just going to write a program for this, because you have to get your $100 Apple developer account and submit it to the App Store and hope that Steve approves and all that stuff and hope that your credentials don't get stolen like they did this week. Uh, and but in like in a real computer, you can like open up the command line and write programs and really and break it and fix it and really get like your hands on how this works, which is you know most of the value of a computer for me. And you know the whole industry is moving towards these computers that you can't actually break, which is good, but. I think bad. So I'm really excited to see what school districts or educators do with like the Raspberry Pi, these little cheap $20 computers that you can just plug into a TV and mess around with. Like I think that would almost be better than everyone just getting a laptop. Because you know the other thing with the laptop, you're going to lock it down. You can't install anything. You can only like use Internet Explorer 7 and you know all that crap so that they don't break, which is, you know, their prerogative, but it's nice to have computers that you can break. And, like, you know, the next the next Steve Wozniak 
is going to have a much harder time because Steve Wozniak actually had to build his own computers in order to use one. So, like, those guys of that generation had such a, such a, like, a more intuitive grasp of how computers work than anyone does today because, you know, they're much more complicated. But it would be nice to get back to these simple computers that don't really have fancy displays or touch screens or any of that stuff so that you can just, you know, an eight-year-old kid can just break it and learn how computers work. I'm going to say I partially agree with you. In that, I think it's important for some students to have access to real computers that, you're right, they can break and they can open up and they can work with, but there are a lot of students who aren't programmers and a lot of kids who aren't as into computers as others are. Um, and I do think it's important you know, to go back to the sort of individual solutions for individual students, but I just think that it's important to, for some students to have the option of an iPad, especially at younger ages, uh, but even even at older ages, when that's all they're going to use or need, um, I just think it's important to have a balanced approach. Because if you handed me a Raspberry Pi, not only would I have no idea what I was doing, but I don't even know if I would care that much to do anything with it. So right. I think it and, just depends you know, on the person. I think this goes back to you can't just hand someone something. Like the Raspberry Pis are going to be next to useless if you don't have if you don't like almost build it in somehow. Uh, I like, I'm a big fan of the idea of using programming to teach things because there's like no better way to prove that you understand something than to teach a computer how to do it because they're very picky in particular and pedantic about anything, uh, you know. So if you could like write a program to solve like two variable algebra equations, like that would be awesome. And you have a much deeper understanding of how two variable algebra equations actually work than someone who just like, all right, isolate one to one side and solve for a and blah blah blah, and they're just going through the steps and you know, which is all that a computer does. But you have to like really lay it out because the computer has actually no intelligence at all. Well, now I know, Dan, why you're so much smarter than me. Uh, Kaylee, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on this? Uh. You completely lost me at Raspberry Pi. I have no idea what that is. I'm going to be completely honest. Now, right? And then you started talking about algebra, and I just kind of was gone. <laughs> <laughs> can someone explain Raspberry Pi to me? Uh, Sean, if you can cover, I can go grab mine. Yeah, no, absolutely. So Raspberry Pi is a, like Dan said, it's a $20 computer, and essentially it's just the basic. The basics of what a computer is. None of this fancy cases, fancy anything. And it doesn't run Windows, it doesn't run Mac, it's just a little processor and a few little other parts on a little tiny thing. And it's really designed to be played with and to be added to things and to be created. Um, you know, it's not something you'll bring home, plug in, and start surfing the internet. Uh, it's really a sort of a, a test tool for programmers in a way. Um, and, and the question with Raspberry Pi is what can you make it into? And it's actually interesting because there are a lot of schools... Um, well, it was designed for schools. That was the reason it was originally that. made. Yeah, it was supposed to be an educational thing. So it's just a little computer. It's supposed to be $25. Uh, has two USB ports, Ethernet, and HDMI. And it runs Linux, I think, Sean, I heard you saying that. Uh, but it's really simple, so it doesn't have all the complexities of, like, your laptop with, you know, it, stuff we don't have to get into. But it, it's much easier to, like, just poke around at it and be like, oh, so, you know, there's this thing called a processor and there's this thing called binary and, the, you know, and understand how computers work. And if you break it, you can just reset it and it's back to new. And you can also use these little pins to, like, hook up lights or motors or things like that, so you can make robots or self-driving cars, uh, things like that. Wow, that's really cool. I never even heard of that. I think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah it's, kind of, it's kind of like a starter computer, and you know, I've heard projects, everyone from, they made one that controlled their microwave to, I, I heard one, I think my one of my favorites I've heard is that some guy took an old-fashioned radio 
took out all the tubes and all the stuff inside, put in a Raspberry Pi, and all it does is stream old radio shows out through this old radio. You know, it's just cool things like that. I mean, the possibilities are really endless, and, and I love when kids can be creative. Um, so I think the Raspberry Pi is great for that. I was actually very germane to this conversation at a, uh, a presentation today at work from this organization called Citizen School. <clears throat> and what they do is they extend uh, the school day, like, permanently and uh, requiredly. I don't know how to say that, but you have it's not an option. Uh, in, like, high needs, like, high-risk school districts, and so it's like, instead of school going from whenever to three, it's whenever to six. And they have a bunch of stuff that they do, but one of the things they do is called apprenticeships. And they have these, like, people come in from companies like Google and Facebook and teach a thing, like, help the kids make, like, a self-driving car, which is what Google does. And I wish I was in that school district. And, you know, rockets or, like, painting or you know, trial defense lawyers, and you do, like, mock trials and all this stuff. But uh, one of the cool ideas we came up with was you could use something like this. And But that's not, you know, that's great. Like, But, again, it's technology for technology's sake. But you could do something like an interactive art display. So you can have this thing with these little pins hooked up, and it's like, you know some kind of like diorama or something that actually moves and isn't static. You know, it could it could be any, you know, anything like that. And you can I think they have a really interesting model and I, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, Kaylee. Uh, where you don't have we don't have the teachers that know about Raspberry Pis or trial defense lawyers. But, you know, if you can bring in outside people for a couple hours, a lot of companies have volunteer leave, paid volunteer leave that they encourage or even possibly require you to use. Uh, so I think it was a cool like way to use this untapped free labor market, basically, to help out kids in high-needs areas. I think that's really cool. I wish that I had something like that yeah. as a kid, so I understand <laughs> computers now as an adult. So when my laptop right. dies, I don't just sit there and cry at it. It's not necessarily, like, technology literacy. It's more like whatever you're interested in. Like, if you're, like, there's an entrepreneurship class, and they actually pitched two investors as high school students, and that was really cool. Or art classes where, you know, an actual artist is the one giving the apprenticeship. And it's just this... I have... <clears throat> Actually, I should change my pick now that I think about it. But anyways, <clears throat> there's, like, I don't know if how true this is, because I've only read about it cursorily, but there's this idea that classrooms have were built for, like, the uh, agrarian into industrial society, where, like, you learned all the things necessary. At first, you learned only the basic things necessary, and then you got out early and worked on the farm. <clears throat> and now, and then it was like, well, we need to teach math and science so that they can work in the factories and, you know, manufacture things. And now we don't manufacture anything anymore. And there's this idea that, that uh, education should be more personalized because there's a really great TED Talk on this that I'll link to. But basically, you know, there are so many people throughout history that have just, you know, Fallen, you know, fallen off. Like they don't teach dance in schools. Dance is seen as like a a secondary, you know. Yeah, it's like so much. It's inferior to math. It's inferior to English. It's inferior to like classical music, and you know, painting. And it's not not even offered. I you know that anywhere I've heard of. But why is that? Like, and it's you know resources and budget and all this stuff. But it's Interesting that I don't think that math and science and, you know, science much so less so than math in English, but, you know, that these, those top-tier subjects are necessarily given, should be given as much time as they are. And I think this citizen school thing is a good way to hack around that. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think education is definitely an individual thing. So if a student's not going to benefit from having a focus in science all throughout their high school, middle school career, then why should they have to do that? If they're really talented at one thing, they should be given the opportunity to do that. So I could see that being very successful. Seems cool. Well, I uh, I think this has been an incredibly successful uh, discussion on technology and education. I feel like we could go all night, but sadly, uh, I have to go to work in the morning, so we can't. So what I will say is why don't we go down the line, and I'll give everyone a chance to say any last uh, thoughts or opinions or summaries uh, on technology in education. Uh, and we'll start with Dan, and we'll work our way down the line. Dan? Uh, so I, I kind of just did mine, but... Uh... I definitely think that with all this technology, we can make things more personalized. You can enable students to kind of pursue their own interests and not necessarily, you know, be guided 100% of the time by a teacher. And that's where I see technology playing a role, not necessarily in everyone having a laptop. Okay, Kaylee. Um, I just remembered one thing that I wanted to mention, but then so I'll just give a brief overview. Um, schools now do virtual field trips, which I think are the coolest thing ever. They'll use either like Google Earth or Skype, and they'll take a field trip somewhere or talk to someone from another country or somewhere on the other side of the world. And I think that's a really cool use of technology in the classroom to see places that isn't in their budget to go visit physically, but. Anyway, I think that's really cool. You should look that up, virtual field trips. Um, but to conclude, I think that technology, when used right, can be very beneficial in a classroom. But if it's just thrown in there and not used properly, I think that it can get in the way of traditional learning. Very well said. Uh, and I suppose I would sum up my thoughts by just saying it's important for teachers not to teach uh, by technology, but rather through technology. And by what I mean is technology is not a crutch that holds up your lesson plan. It is instead an extra tool in your toolbox. And I think that's really important uh, for educators to remember. And I'll just end on two quick thoughts before we move into our picks. One, um, Dan mentioned that great TED Talk, so we'll include that in the note. I want to tease. Uh, this past week on CNN, Morgan Spurlock does a show called Inside Man, which is excellent, and you should watch it. It's on their website, CNN.com. Uh, but this week, he did Inside Education, and he taught at a school in Finland, and he taught at a school in New York City. Um, and it was an excellent look inside the state of uh, current education. So if you're at all interested, I recommend you watch that. The other thing I want to end on is one of my favorite stories from Marist. Uh, it was freshman year, and I, lucky me, had an 8 a.m. English class with old man Professor Bill. I was there. Dan knows where this is going. Uh, and so I was first semester freshman, groggy as hell, half asleep, stumbling into class at 8 a.m., uh, out of it, and I'd be like sitting there, not even, like, basically asleep, and I'd look over, and there was this guy on his laptop programming Linux at 8 in the morning. He'd have, like, three different windows up. He was like... He looked like he was hacking a mainframe, like you were watching a movie. There was code going by and all this stuff. And that young man grew up to be Dan Miller. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite stories that I couldn't be bothered to wake up, but Dan was there with his big laptop programming away in Linux. So. Not paying attention, so... No, but. <laughs> no, but at least you got something out of it. I got a little extra sleep. You got, I don't know, a career. So uh, with that being said, we'll wrap up our talk on education, move on to our picks of the week. Now that I have video playback, one of these weeks I'm going to make graphics for all this. We'll be like, picks of the week. <laughs> oh, my God. funny hats. Or we could do funny hats and mustaches. Either way, we're going to have fun with it. Uh, all right, so for our picks this week, um, why don't we do them in reverse order as we just did that? So I'll go, and then we'll have Kayleen, and we'll end with Dan. Um, so my pick this week. Uh, I wanted to kind of play into our um, education theme, and I thought, what technology has helped me in education? Um, a lot of people know Google Docs and Evernote, some of these bigger services. So I came up with a service I really like, that I don't know if a lot of people know about. And that would be Wonderlist. Now, when it comes to to-do lists, 
uh, everybody has their own favorite app. I get it. Each app does certain things better than others, and there's some people you'll never persuade that X is better than Y, and that's fine. Uh, but I have a personal favorite I like, and I'm going to share it with you, and it's called Wonderlist. That's fine, but you're wrong, says Sean Jennings. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm always... <laughs> I like to buy it. Um, and it's Wonderlist with a U-W-U-N-D-E-R list.com. Um, and really the thing, and now I can finally use this the uh, behind-the-back shot here, although I don't know really how well you can see my monitor, but... Um, the great thing about Wonderlist, in my opinion, is A, that it's extremely multi-platform um, and that it is available on everything that anyone would ever use, Android, iPhone, iPad, Mac, Windows, Blackberry. online. Uh, what, is, what is that? I don't... Blackberry? I've never heard of that. Uh, no, it is not available for Blackberry. Um, but it is for the important thing. Not for Windows Phone, which is kind of a bummer because that does exist. Um... But it's great because it's synced across all your devices. Um, the other great thing about... And now I'm going to actually switch to something where you can actually see it instead of my blurry behind-the-back camera. Uh, other great things that are... Uh, a, it's really good to look at. Um, it's really pretty, so I'll give them credit for that. But it's also just really simple. I don't need flags and tags and and all kinds of crazy stuff. I really just need a list that I can just look at and know blank is due tomorrow. Um, and this app does it really well for me. It includes uh, integration if other people use the app. Um, it includes the ability to take notes. Um, and, of course, it's all free. So uh, I am a big fan. I use it on my, my iPhone. I use it if I'm just on a loose computer. You can just plug right in. Um, so uh, my pick this week is Wonderlist. I think it's a really great uh, to-do list app. I highly recommend it, or at least give it a shot, um, mainly because of the multi-platform and just that it's simple, because that's all I really want in an app is simplicity. Wonderlist, W-U-N-D-E-R-L-I-S-T dot com. Kaylee, your pick of the week. Am I up? All you right. <laughs> so going off of my BlackBerry comment, I'm going to briefly talk about BBM and how it's supposedly someday coming out for iPhone and Android. I've been hearing this rumor for a long time, and they have nothing to show for it. But I'm really excited about it, because I have a BlackBerry, and no one else in the world does, so I never get to use BBM. And so I'm going to convince at least one person to switch over and BBM me, because I am traveling internationally, and I won't be able to text for free anymore. So I think, I think this is the future. I think BlackBerry's making a comeback. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> That's my pick of the week. Why do you think BlackBerry's making a comeback? Because the BlackBerry 10 is awesome. Oh, thank you. Um, the BlackBerry 10 is really cool. They are making, like, a BlackBerry car I read about the other day, which is pretty pretty cool. And BVM is just... It's they're great. They're making a BlackBerry car? Yeah, on this website, they're talking about... What? Um... Let's see. Out of control. The one platform BlackBerry is poised to tackle independently is cars. What? Yep. Go them. Yeah. They're doing <laughs> voice communication, transcription for hands-free messaging, and lots more could quickly find their way into car dashes. So, so you're I betting big on BlackBerry. I'm going to... I'm sticking with it for now. I'm also getting an iPad so that all of my stubborn friends on iPhones can I message me. Because I know none of them will download it for me. <laughs> hopefully I someone else will BBM me someday. I, I will BBM you, but you're the only there person I know who owns a BlackBerry. So exactly. It's going to so be me I, and you. Great. That's all I need is one person so I can use the fun smiley faces. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, well, Kaylee's pick this week, uh, BlackBerry Messenger for iPhone and Android when it happens eventually. Dan, your pick of this week. All right, I have two picks because Colby's not here, so I'm stealing his. Uh, pick number one is Khan Academy, which is really great for self-directed learning, and this can be anything from, like, the 2008 housing market crash to, like, calculus. And one of the new things they have that I think a lot of people don't know about is this practice session. So they've always had the videos that you can watch, and there are comments but now they have this great practice thing 
uh, I should probably try to show it to you. But basically, it's a Google. It's like a Google map, a knowledge tree of like everything for a given subject. So you can see for calculus, like it starts off in addition, and then from addition you can learn subtraction and multiplication and division, and then from those things you can keep going, and it just like trees down until you're in like calculus. And calculus itself has so many different like uh, things that depend on one another, like all the the different rules and transformations that you know you learn one, then you learn the next one, and what you do is you click on these little icons on this map and it brings up these practice problems and you just do them over and over again and it has a way, this leaf system of telling you like how well you're doing. So not only are you answering the questions correctly but how quickly are you answering them and how long have you been doing it and the longer you do it and the faster you answer the questions the bigger your meter fills up until it says that you've mastered this particular topic and then you can move on to the next one. And there's a really good Khan Academy, oh no, TED Talk by the guy who started Khan Academy where he they're doing this uh, pilot program of bringing it into schools so that teachers can, you know, you do your homework in the classroom and you watch the videos at home. So kind of flipping it on its head. So everyone watches the, you know, the lecture that you would get at home for homework and in a classroom everyone's working and the teacher can see who's on which part and how well they're doing, and they compare people up who have like complementary strengths. So if you're like really good in one thing and not in the other, and someone else the opposite, it automatically knows that, and you two will work together so that you can like cover each other's weaknesses and learn from one another. And they're they're seeing great results with this. I think that's really cool. But speaking of TED talks, there's another really good TED talk called. Uh, do Schools Kill Creativity by Sir Ken Robinson, which is A, really hilarious, and B, really interesting, and that's where I got this, the whole notion of, you know, school systems are designed for industrial agrarian societies, and which we aren't anymore, and he goes into this and has a lot of great anecdotes about, you know, people he's interviewed, like really successful Broadway performers and things. One of, so one of the good stories is, I forget who this person was, but she was like, she like choreographed Cats, and she's like one of the preeminent choreographers on Broadway. But when she was in elementary school, they basically, uh, you know, all her teachers were concerned because she couldn't sit still, and she didn't have, she couldn't pay attention, and she wasn't good at any of these things. Uh, and then they brought her to a psychologist. They, you know, talked to her and her mom and put her in the room. And then the psychologist said, all right, your mom and I are going to step out. And on the way out, she, they turned the radio on, left. And then behind that, like, one-way mirror, they could see that she was dancing all over the place. And, you know, I think the line was, you know, miss whatever your name is. Your daughter doesn't have ADD. She's a dancer. <laughs> but, you know, today it would probably be like, you just need to try harder. You know, I'd no, do English. some Ritalin and put her back in the classroom. Right, yeah, exactly. And then we wouldn't have... So, those are my picks. They'll be in the show notes. Outstandingconacademy.org and you can look on YouTube Do Schools Kill Creativity? Um, definitely both great picks. TED Talks, you gotta love them. Uh, outstanding. Well, uh, that sort of brings us to the end of the show. Dan or Kaylee, do either of you guys have anything you want to plug or, or, or slip into the end here before we go? I'll give you one last opportunity. Uh, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Well, thank you for coming on, Kaylee. You can find Kaylee uh, in Ireland soon. <laughs> Don't uh, come find me because that would be really creepy. <laughs> that, that would be that would be strange. But uh, but we are so happy to have you on. You were an excellent resource. Uh, and I couldn't think of a better topic. And we'll have you on again sometime. Do they have Great. internet in Ireland? I believe they've gotten it. Yes. Okay. Cool. So th there'll be a lag with the you know the distance the information has to travel, but we'll make it work. Uh, I do want to remind everyone out there listening that our website don'tpanic.io is where we ar archive all the audio and video versions of the show. You can always listen along. You can always watch along live. 
11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday nights at don'tpanic.io slash live.html. Uh, I highly recommend you do it that way because uh, we have a chat room there. Uh, and you can chat with the hosts as we do the show. This week we didn't do it because things were a little crazy, and I know we didn't have Colby on this week. He will join us next week. He was having too much fun in California to join us, but uh, we will have him back. Uh, or maybe we won't. We'll just keep Kaylee on. Yeah. <laughs> Screw that I like guy. that idea better. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. He's been replaced. Uh, well, wonderful. And uh, I want to thank everyone out there for listening and watching. Uh, and I will end every show the same way we always do to remind you, don't panic because we will be back next week to talk more technology. Thank you for watching. Good night.